2004 Lakers, the 2013 Lakers, and now the 2021-22 Brooklyn Nets. Among the biggest failures in NBA history, go ahead and take your pick about which one crowns the top of that list because, boy, all three of those, and there's some other ones we can throw into that list, certainly are in a category of their own of awful. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells with you on this Friday afternoon presented by Progressive Insurance. Be sure to tune in to a National League battle tomorrow night as the Phillies host the Cards presented by Progressive Insurance. Coverage begins 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Let's tap in now with Chris Canty, host of this show, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And I heard you and your co-host, Chris Carlin, talking about Kevin Durant's legacy and whether it's going to be tarnished by seeking another team. I personally can't blame Kevin Durant for trying to remove himself from a toxic situation. Do I wish he would have done it before the trade deadline? Yes. Do I feel like this whole thing makes it look like he's siding with Kyrie Irving? Yes, and I don't like that. But how do you feel like we're going to remember Kevin Durant's legacy going forward in him seeking the best for himself in spite of Kyrie Irving and his friendship with Kyrie Irving. Well, is he seeking the best for himself with expressing the desire that he still wants to play with Kyrie at some point in his career? See, that's the part, Courtney, where I don't know if I agree with you in terms of Kevin Durant and being blameless in all of this in Brooklyn. The only reason that the organization and the team is viewed as toxic, it's because of KD and Kai making it that way and KD being an enabler of Kyrie Irving's behavior for the past three years. And really, when we want to boil it all down, we're talking about what's happened over the past two years with him going absent, going AWOL from the team for several weeks, nobody knowing where he's at, not communicating and saying that he was distraught because of the riots and what was happening in the country with the civil unrest, but then also making a decision not to get vaccinated when every player in the tri-state area, both with the Nets and the Knicks, decided they were going to get vaccinated. Kyrie was the one that said he wasn't going to get vaccinated. He wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. It wasn't about the money. And then ultimately the rift between Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets came when the Nets did not offer Kyrie Irving a contract extension that gave him the number of years that he wanted. And, and of course, Kevin Durant saying that he wished the front office would have got a chance to know Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry, I'm not making a quarter of a billion dollar commitment to a guy that's only played in 103 games over the last three years. Courtney, to put this thing into context, Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving has played in less games over the last three years than Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard didn't play at all last year. Yeah, legitimate reason to not play. Yeah, exactly. So if you're Brooklyn, you can understand why Joe Sy and Sean Marks would be hesitant, and that's why I don't understand why Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving say they still want to play together, but they just don't want to play in Brooklyn. What did the Brooklyn Nets do to you guys for you not to want to play in Brooklyn? Because it seems like they've acquiesced to everything that KD and Kyrie wanted up until about two months ago when Sean Marks drew a line in the sand. Okay, with all that said, Chris, you you obviously have been in professional locker rooms. You played in the NFL. Mm. Kyrie's talent cannot be questioned. Put yourself in position of another team inside that locker room. Would you want a player like Kyrie and his ability to make it all about him and the distractions 
off of the basketball court, would you want to be a teammate like like him? Like, would you want to be in that Laker locker room if Rob Pelinka is able to pull off a trade to bring Kyrie out to L.A. and play with him? Here's what I'll say. It's it's hard to put myself in that situation because you know this. It's different in a football locker room than it is in an NBA locker room. It, it's different. And so there are ways to manage your teammates and to make sure that there's a level of accountability in a football locker room just with the culture, the nature of the game, as opposed to what the NBA does. Um, that being said, it's hard to be able to trust a guy like Kyrie Irving, especially if you're a team that has championship aspirations. And the one player, the one situation where everybody is saying, yeah, it kind of makes sense, is the Los Angeles Lakers. Why? Because we've seen LeBron James make it work with Kai in the past. So I think if you if you extract the Lakers out of it, I don't know that there are going to be a lot of teams lining up for Kyrie Irving services. I just don't necessarily see that. Now, you are talking about a top 15 player in the NBA on an expiring contract. So there is a huge long-term commitment there. But just in terms of what he does to your franchise, having to manage him, having to deal with you know all of the baggage that comes along with him, I'm not quite sure that there are going to be a, a, a whole lot of teams that want Kyrie Irving to be a part of what they got going on in 2022. You know, KD and Kyrie and what's going to happen with them next will continue to be the focal point of the NBA. But with uh, the NBA free agency is 23 hours old right now, and the moves have been coming from the left, the right, the front, and the back. What has been the most eye-popping free agency move so far, whether it's a trade or a signing? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty eye-popping when you see – the Minnesota Timberwolves trade four first-round picks, Malik Beasley, Pat Bev, for Rudy Gobert. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's always in the running for defensive player of the year. And so to be able to get him to go along with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, I, I think that's an outstanding get for that Timberwolves organization. And it really shows a shift in their mentality it's going from being a team that collects a lot of young players, a lot of draft picks, to being a team that wants to build around the two cornerstones, which is Cat and, and Ant-Man. So I like that trade for the Timberwolves, and I also like it for where the Utah Jazz are. I mean, they just hired Will Hardy to be their head coach. They gave him a five-year contract, so there's a long runway there. And we know, you know, typical of Danny Ainge, this is his M.O. When he gets someplace, he's going to strip it down to the studs, and then he's going to find building block pieces. Um, uh, you know, he did that in Boston with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum after he traded Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. And so it seems like he's he's going about that same strategy out there in Utah. So um, I, li- I like the trade for both teams. I would call it a win-win, although it's not going to feel that way for Jazz fans for the next couple of years. We're talking with Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells. So uh, on that note, they, they're very clearly hitting the reset button. In Utah, after offloading Rudy Gobert, getting four first-round picks um, in exchange, all of those players as well. Is Donovan Mitchell next going somewhere else, them trying to get multiple first-round picks in exchange for him, or are they going to try to build around him in Utah? Will that become his team, or does he head somewhere else, maybe to the Knicks? Oh, he's out of there, baby. Donovan Mitchell (laughs) is gone. (laughs) He's gone. (laughs) (laughs) There is no question about that in my mind. Rudy Gobert is the first piece to move, and so we saw the haul that the the Jazz were able to get from him. Donovan Mitchell is going to be next, and I'm not quite sure where that landing spot is going to be. Could it be 
you know, the tri-state area? Could it end up being uh, a place like Miami that's looking um, for for some more offense in their backcourt? I, I, I'm not quite sure, but it's clear that Danny Ainge is going to fetch the best deal that he possibly can for Donovan Mitchell. I, I can't see Donovan Mitchell wanting to hang around Utah for a rebuild. I mean, you saw Utah unloading pieces yesterday. They made the trade uh, with the Brooklyn Nets for Royce O'Neal. So, I mean, this is a situation where they're just going to strip that franchise down to the studs and start over. And I can't imagine that Donovan Mitchell wants to hang around for that. Okay, Kenny, I'm going to get you out on this note right here because, you know, in the note of the New York Knicks, they, they give Jalen Brunson – um, a big deal that he was not going to get from the Dallas Mavericks. They end up re-signing Mitchell Robinson to a $60 million contract. It doesn't appear that they are done either. What do you make of their free agency so far, and do you think that they can be legitimate contenders with the roster as it is constructed now, or do they need to add another piece like a Donovan Mitchell to get there? Um, I, I think they need to add another piece if, you know – I'll put it to you this way, Courtney. If this is what Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau are presenting as the 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 the, the product after the rebuild, then, then I think Knicks fans should be underwhelmed. Now, we know that they were in the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes. It didn't work out for them. They got outbid by Atlanta. But, but I certainly see the Knicks taking steps in the right direction. But they do need to add another significant piece before I'm ready to say that they're a contending team. Now, that being said... I do think they'll be in the conversation to be a top six team, and specifically that six seed. Now that we're talking about Brooklyn stripping it down, now that we're also talking about you know teams like Toronto being in there, I, I just I do look at the the New York Knicks as a team that could potentially be a top six seed in the Eastern Conference because of what Jalen Brunson brings to the mm-hmm. table. You finally have a point guard that can orchestrate the offense get some shots for those guys like R.J. Barrett, like Emmanuel Quickly, like Julius Randle, like Obi Toppin. He makes things a lot easier for those guys. And that's really been where the Knicks have struggled, in the half-court offense against set defenses, trying to manufacture points. In the open floor, in the transition, they're great. Their defense becomes their offense. But when teams really lock down and they slow down the pace, the Knicks have struggled to get a bucket. Jalen Brunson is going to make that so much easier. And I think Jalen Brunson is going to help R.J. Barrett take that next step toward being an all-star. So I love the move of getting Jalen Brunson. But right now, I just like where the Mm -hmm. Knicks are at. I think they need another piece for me to fall in love with them and think of them as a contender. Certainly understandable. Jalen Brunson, 25 years old. R.J. Barrett, 22 years old. That's a backcourt that you can build around for the next 10 years. Not so sure how Julius... Randall fits in as a big three there. I'm sure your co-host, Chris Carlin, does not love that move either. (laughs) We'll get all of your guys' takes on that coming up on Canty and Carlin at a later date. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate the time. All right, thank you guys for holding it down. Talk to you again soon. And we will do just that. That's Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, joining Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells. Coming up next, should the Nets acquiesce to Kyrie's preference by sending him to the Los Angeles Lakers. We discuss Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Earlier today, I was on first take. Brian Windhorst, who broke the internet with his two-minute and 11-second explanation that really didn't explain anything in the moment, but now we know what was going on behind the scenes with the Utah Jazz, who just traded Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for four picks. Before he talked about that and laid out the scenario that was brewing underneath the surface and in this move that maybe we weren't anticipating amid the Kevin Durant news that he wants out of Brooklyn— was something that he said that should not surprise anybody. Kyrie Irving, as we know, Mike Wells, last week released a list of six teams that he wants to go to as preferred destinations if he and the Brooklyn Nets could not work out a long-term extension, which they did not. He instead opted into his $36.5 million player option. The Los Angeles Lakers were on that list, and now they remain one of the only teams that appears publicly interested at this point in landing his services. And Wendy said that the Nets have no interest in accommodating Kyrie Irving's request to get out of Brooklyn and go somewhere else. I cannot blame them, given everything that he put them through this last year. I just wonder, what's the value that they can get now? Because they know no other franchise is chomping at the bit to get Kyrie Irving, who, when he's playing well, when he's playing consistently, He can be and has the potential to be a top five NBA player. I said that this morning. People got ticked off about it. He has the potential to be a top five player when he is playing at his best. There are very few scorers who are as good as Kyrie Irving. The Lakers see that potential. Maybe they think that they can bring out that version of Kyrie Irving alongside LeBron James. But realistically, the trade compensation and the package that they're probably wanting to give the Brooklyn Nets... There might not be all that much value, and I'm not so sure, according to what Wendy was reporting and what others have reported, that the Nets want to acquiesce to sending Kyrie Irving wherever the heck he wants to go. And that's the thing. If I'm Brooklyn, the headache that Kyrie Irving has caused them the last you know, the last couple of years or whatever, I'm not saying, okay, Kyrie, you know what? Let's try to help you out. Let's send you to the team that you can help win a championship with. I am looking at it as I'm, we are going to send you to the team that is going to get us the most in return as far as draft picks and you know young, talented players who can come in and contribute right away and help you know keep this franchise in a respectable position. I, I'm just like I'm just not, I'm not giving in. I'm not caving because Kyrie has not earned that right. I mean, he sat back and said, I am not getting vaccinated. I don't care if we lose all these games. I'm going to focus on myself. And he was so selfish and just sat out and did not play in any home games until the vaccination rule got changed. 
By then, he lost $17 million. The Brooklyn Nets had struggled to even get into the playoffs, and then they go out and get worked over by the Boston Celtics. Who know what? Who knows what would have happened had Kyrie been able to play the whole season? Sure. Maybe James Harden may, may not have gotten traded. The Nets could have been one of the top three, two or three teams in the Eastern Conference competing for a title. But instead, Kyrie said, I'm a me, 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 me guy, and that's what happens. So, no. Do not cave to what he wants, Brooklyn. Make him pay the price for being a complete selfish guy throughout the whole situation. So so what do you do, though? Like, if you're not going to cave, if, if this is, like, literally a face-off between Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets, and they say, we're not sending you where you want to go, and you can't get the sort of value you want in exchange for Kyrie Irving because, again, this is a trade scenario. He just opted into a $36.5 million player option. What, you're just not going to play him if you can't find, like, he's just going to sit on your bench? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You can't, like, prohibit someone from playing. Like, let's say Kyrie Irving had a change of heart and wanted to stay and play. Like, they couldn't be like, no, nah, sorry, we're good. But the other side of that would be if if you can't get the value for Kyrie Irving – then you would force him basically to forfeit his salary if he's like, well, if you're not going to send me to the Lakers and you end up sending, you know, I don't want to go anywhere else, then honestly, maybe financially it wouldn't be the worst situation for the Nets to find themselves in to be like, all right, to hell with it. Like, then you're just not going to get paid. Like, if you, once again, don't show up for work, that would be the situation uh, that the Nets could potentially find themselves in. It is interesting to note, though, because there are people out there who were irritated with Kevin Durant, and rightfully so, because... He has now, too, requested a trade out of Brooklyn. But it feels like the Nets, Mike, want to appease Kevin Durant and play to his desires more than Kev- than Kyrie Irving. They're willing to work with Kevin Durant more than they are with Kyrie Irving. Because Kevin Durant, as much as this stinks for the, New York, for the uh, Brooklyn Nets in a situation that they're in, having given all, this, all these assets, all this power, all of this draft capital, all of this everything – to try to build a team with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and watching it fall flat on its face. Kevin Durant at least finished the job last year, right? Like, he showed up to work. He did what he had to do. It didn't work out. But I think they're more willing to work with him because he held up his end of the bargain last season. Kyrie Irving did not. And you, the thing about Kate, you, you made an excellent point, Courtney. KD came to play every single year. And, that, and that's, been Kev, that's been Kevin Durant throughout his whole career. Yeah, that's he who he is. is. He has never been one of those guys that get caught, gets caught up in the sideshow. The worst thing that Kevin Durant does, and I think we can all handle that, is he'll find himself in a Twitter spat every yeah, now and then. All of his people. burner accounts. You know that that is that is that's KD. Beyond that, he's he's a, he lives probably lives in the gym. He simply wants to play basketball and compete and try to win a title, and doesn't you know make every situation about himself or what you know what he the other other players are doing wrong or what the organization is doing wrong. He just simply wants to go out and he wants to get buckets, and you know barring you know any type of injury, he's going to compete every single game, and that's what you have to like about Kevin Durant. That's what you have to like about him. You know the thing is with him is you know once he gets traded, you know people are going to continue to say hey. He's out there. He can't. He can't do it by himself. He's got to find a, a a team of other superstars to win those titles because he couldn't do it in Brooklyn. So he's going to have to face the criticism. And I think you and I can agree on this, Courtney. KD's not going to give a rat's patootie that other people are going to criticize him in that area. 
All right, so while NBA free agency continues to wear on, Celtics just acquired Malcolm Brogdon in a trade with the Pacers, as we reported earlier from Woj. Rudy Gobert is headed to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for four, count them, four first-round picks. There's some other news in the college football world that is getting buried by NBA free agency, USC, UCLA, Heading to the Big Ten Conference, how does the Big Ten expansion impact the landscape of collegiate athletics as a whole? We discuss with an expert next here on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We've grown so used to realignment in college sports, but I don't think anything could have prepared us for what happened yesterday. USC and UCLA have been voted into the Big Ten. They will become member institutions August of 2024. The bombshell news that shook up the college football world, the college sports landscape once again. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin. Mike Wells presented, as always, by Progressive Insurance. Let's dive in more with Harry Lyles Jr. He covers college football for ESPN and ESPN.com. And Harry, as the dust has settled from this and you've had a chance to kind of process how quickly this thing came together, were there any signs along the way that you can now point back to in hindsight saying, okay, this was probably inevitably going to happen, whether it was USC and some of the power moves that they've pulled with, with snatching Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, realizing that they haven't been to the college football playoffs since 2016, and UCLA in the mix there too. Like, Could you have seen this happening now that it has actually happened? So I feel like the answer is, is yes, but also no, just because I think – once Texas and Oklahoma happened last year, um, we should have known that this was something that was just never going to slow down immediately. And I, and I think that, like, you know, we look at it being a year, and it's like, you know, a year in theory is a long time. But I think if, if we look at, okay, Texas and Oklahoma happened, I believe it was last July. Uh, obviously, then you have August going into the season. We have the season bunch of NIL stuff happening. Uh, amazingly, we had an incredible beef between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, and now we have this. Um, and to me, once Texas and Oklahoma happened, like, all bets are off. Like, anything could happen, and I think that we did get a little bit comfortable, especially when some people – not I don't think a lot of people, but I do think that there was a good measure of people that bought into the alliance, which to me was a joke from the beginning because – a handshake agreement can't mean all that much when there are hundreds of million dollars at stake. And so that was never going to uphold itself. And so looking at that and and just those two things, I think that this was an inevitability, but that does not stop the fact that there's going to be a day in time when either USC or UCLA is playing a noon game against Purdue. Uh, That just doesn't make it any less weird. So 
I, I think that this is going to be something that for, for those of us that have been following college football all of our lives, this might not be something that we ever really get used to just because part of the reason that we love our college sports is that regionality. Sure. You, you, you're 100% right uh, about that, Harry. I mean, I I can't envision, you know, USC traveling across the country, you know, for, like you said, that noon or 11 a.m. kickoff at Rutgers. I think of the Big Ten of teams right here in the Midwest, the same way the Pac-12 on the West Coast. Have you talked to – Many anybody in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten to get their reaction on their thoughts of UCLA and um, USC leaving Pac-12 to join the Big Ten? A lot of it is just shock, and I think it's going to remain that way e- even for the next couple of years, right? Because we're not going to see this until 2024. Um, and just how odd this feels. And it's I think it, the reason it feels so – odd and shocking again is, is just because and, and also let's let's if we take a step back here right it felt like usc was back as soon as lincoln riley came along as soon as they got caleb williams to transfer it wasn't even just about usc being back like to me usc being back meant the pac-12 was back because obviously oregon's had their way stretches of being good in the playoff washington obviously had some up years there utah obviously coming off of a great rose bowl game one of the best of all time arguably the best of all time but there was never that stability and prominence in that conference from a football standpoint uh without usc being great and usc just hasn't been the same since Pete carroll left and so for lincoln riley to arrive for caleb williams to arrive for jordan addison to arrive it felt like okay maybe the Pac-12 has a chance here. And then for this to happen, I think, has just torn everybody's world apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this direction that we're heading to with a, with a power two, um, there's no stopping this now. Because uh, as, as much as tradition and rivalries and all these things matter, and honestly make college football the most unique sport to me in the world, um, that's, that's cats out of the bag on that one. Um, and, and there's no stopping this thing. And, again, a lot of the reaction I've gotten from coaches both in and outside of both conferences um, and even in some group of five schools and elsewhere has just been shock just because, again, for everybody that loves college sports, like this is just something that you never thought you would see happen. Harry Lyles covers college football for ESPN and ESPN.com and joins Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells on Canty and Carlin. A year ago right now, it was Oklahoma and Texas that made waves by announcing it w- that both of them were going to join the SEC. Now it's UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten. Notre Dame remains the big team that right now is standing on its own, but as we are headed towards a two-super conference landscape in college football, where do you think the Fighting Irish, as a, as a program, end up? Could they go to the SEC or the Big Ten? I think that they can. Um, I know they have some contractual you know, dealings with the ACC. I think the Big Ten makes the most sense. Um, and I think that there are varying views on Notre Dame that I think are all correct in some form. Um, I think my overarching view on them is they have the patience to kind of watch this play out and then decide what the best path is forward for them. Because the fact that we were doing this thing, right, where, all right, you have the Power Five conferences, you have the playoff the way that was set up, even the VCS, right? We looked at Notre Dame and said, your brand is big enough to where, hey, if you're undefeated, 
and you're there at the end of the year, we're going to include you into the party. And I think no matter how big the SEC gets, no matter how big the Big Ten gets, I think even if Notre Dame does stay independent, they're always there's always going to be a seat at the table for them. And I think the biggest difference for them is going to be is the money that they make as an independent going to be enough for them to ignore an invite from one of these other conferences? And to me, that is where the decision is going to be made. Um, from a scheduling standpoint, I think that when you look at other schools that could potentially join the Big Ten, like a Stanford, because of their academic and athletic standards, uh, that would make more sense Is, is um, if you also include rivalries like uh, theirs with Michigan, with USC, uh, like I said, with Stanford, like to me, the Big Ten would make the most sense. But I think Notre Dame is in a place where they don't have to react to this as fast as everybody else does. We know that their athletic budget has become strained over the years. They operate independently with football, but everything else, they're part of the ACC. If they were to join the Big Ten, they would have to pay a pretty big penalty for walking out of the ACC. But, hey, maybe maybe joining the Big Ten would, would cure some of their financial issues that they currently have within their own athletics department as a whole. Harry, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Fun as always. Appreciate it. That's Harry Lyles, Jr., ESPN college football reporter, joining Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells here on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next, how does Kevin Durant walking out of the Brooklyn Nets impact Steve Nash and his future as the head coach of that franchise? We discuss next, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ian Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells with you on this Friday evening. So Steve Nash. He coaches the Brooklyn Nets. We have not heard anything about him in the midst of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving both creating a little bit of a firestorm, a major firestorm for this Brooklyn franchise. Durant requesting a trade, Kyrie Irving opting into his player option, all but to be traded away if Kevin Durant does not want to be there. So Steve Nash's role in all of this, I remember, Mike, after this team lost and was was swept by the Boston Celtics, in the first round of the playoffs, you've got Kyrie sitting up there at the podium saying, me and Kevin Durant are going to put our heads together this this offseason and figure out really what direction the franchise was going. He mentioned Joe Sy, who is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, so I'd hope he put him in there. And he also mentioned Sean Marks, who's the GM of the Nets. He did not mention Steve Nash. I don't know if that was by design, but it's certainly curious now as you bring it back up because we haven't heard from Steve Nash at all in the midst of all of this chaos that's going on with the team he coaches. And here, here's the thing, Courtney. We don't we don't even know if Steve Nash can coach. And quite honestly, I mean, he came. You know, he was a surprise hire in the Brooklyn Nets. And when you have the talent of a Kyrie Irving and a, and a uh, Kevin Durant and a James Harden on the roster, you the players get the spotlight. So if Steve Nash continues to be the head coach, because again, we've not heard anything about um, Nash when it comes to that aspect, and they go and the Brooklyn Nets go through a complete rebuild. And Kyrie, Kyrie and KD are both moved. You're about to find out if Steve Nash is truly a 
NBA coach, or is he just a is he just a Hall of Fame player who won multiple MVPs during his playing career in the NBA who can't coach? I used to wonder that about Steve Kerr. You know, when all those guys got hurt, I was like, can Steve Kerr coach? Steve Kerr has proven he can coach. Now it's Steve Nash's time to see if he can step up and be an NBA coach because the direction that Brooklyn is headed in is they're going to be playing a lot of young players. Can Nash coach X's and O's, or is he going to be one of those guys that has his assistants do most of the work? And if that's the case, it's not going to be good for Nash. Bringing up Steve Kerr is a good point to make here, and especially the comparison, because it's not that he just has good players. As a coach, you have to manage the X's and O's. You've got to manage the egos as well. Clearly, Steve Nash had a lot on his plate when he assumed the coaching responsibilities of this Brooklyn Nets team in 2020. Limited sample size. He's gotten two seasons under his belt here. But as far as we know, this thing, you know, the wheels came off this bus rather quickly and rather easily. And and I don't know how much responsibility the head coach had in allowing that to happen and also trying to stop it from happening. But Something to consider as we think about what Steve Nash's future could be with the Brooklyn Nets moving forward. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, holding it down for the guys on this Friday evening. Earlier today, Brittany Griner appeared in court for trial in Russia. She's ordered to remain in custody for the duration of her criminal trial. She has been gone in, in captivity in Russia for now 134 days. This is a situation, Mike, as I've learned more about it, uh, in speaking with Angela Rye, ESPN special correspondent, who was on first take with us this morning And I guess it shouldn't surprise me at all. We cannot take our logic of the United States judicial system and apply it somewhere else. I know that I'm I'm literally speaking a no-brainer here. But the big thing I got from Angela Rye today, because Brittany Griner, as we know, back in February before Russia invaded Ukraine, was taken into custody in an airport when she was trying to go back into Russia because she lives there during the WNBA offseason because she plays for a Russian basketball team, she had 0.07 grams of hashish oil. So, so marijuana, this is kind of what this goes to. It's, it's, it's hashish oil, so marijuana. Um, that was considered large quantities of narcotics. That's what Russia is trying to say that she was transporting into the country. The United States has decried her detainment as a wrongful detainment. But what she has to do on trial is prove she's not guilty. It's not innocent until proven guilty in Russia. It's guilty until proven innocent. And she's facing this not only with a language barrier, but in a country that right now is in the middle of a global crisis at its own hand of doing it itself. But this is such a scary situation because it feels so open-ended. She's been gone for 134 days. What's to say that this thing doesn't last 
couple more months until she has a resolution, until her family does, until we know anything more about when she could be coming home. You know what? You made an excellent point, Courtney, when you said, you know, in the U.S. it is innocent until proven guilty. And Brittany Griner's situation, unfortunately, it is she's guilty until proven innocent. And that's, that's a scary situation. Uh, you're talking about somebody who's been over for 100-plus days who recently had her detention extended until the end of December. And we're not just talking about this, – this is no longer a case of Brittany Griner, the WNBA All-Star, one of the best to play in the game. This is about an American citizen who was – locked up in a foreign country and has no set time on when she is going to be returning to the U S and I, I continue to say this and I'll continue and I'll continue to say it going forward. The attention, the lack of attention that she is getting from being over in a Russian jail is very disturbing to me. It, this deserves way, way, way more attention than what she's getting because I don't feel like that, you know, she's, being handled you know correctly from a u.s standpoint she should be in the news getting headlights non-stop mm-hmm. and the u.s should be trying even harder to try to get out of the country because her from a mental side who knows where she's at in this whole situation not being with you know her family and friends halfway across the world yeah this took four and a half months for her to you know appear before a moscow area court for trials on cannabis possession charges want to correct myself According to Russian authorities, it was 0.7 milligrams, uh, 0.7 grams of of hashish oil, so cannabis oil here. Um, And and they're claiming that that is, you know, an incredible amount, like, you know, mass distribution levels, which, of course, um, if you're looking at this, like, from a realistic perspective, she's being, she's a a pawn in a political, a very big political issue right now. I think what we learned today, because this trial, it, remember, they're in Russia, so they're, they're ahead of us. It's Saturday over there. The trial that happened on Friday was adjourned, and she's supposed to be due back in court on Thursday of next week, so July 7th. She, this is a two-and-a-half-hour trip there, a two-and-a-half-hour trip back. So it's a lot on Brittany Griner. What today revealed was what the State Department has been saying is true all along. She's wrongfully detained. And the customs agent that said they found that 0.7 grams of THC, whether that was planted or whether it was hers, according to Russian law, she should only be facing a fine, not four months in jail. Tell me that that she, she is not being used as a pawn for Russia in trying to make something happen, knowing that the United States and many other countries not so thrilled that they went and invaded Ukraine and they have this superstar now that is in their pow- under their power, in their captivity, in their jail. And they realize that they're trying to make something happen here. We don't know what that is. That's the scary part. Like, it's not like there's been any sort of demand from Russia as it pertains to using Brittany Griner beyond what, what you know, the, the means of, you know, whatever, to get political prisoners released, to further their agenda. It's just that the United States has said, Release her. You have you have detained her wrongfully. And as we know right now, there's a long way to go here, whether Joe Biden, the president of the United States, gets involved. feel like that's got to be the num- no, the next big priority to escalate this thing further up the chain. Because as you mentioned, Mike, 
This should be talked about every single day. We are doing our part to talk about it every single day to continue to bring awareness to it because you know if this was a male athlete, if Tom Brady was in captivity in Russia right now, we would not stop talking about it until he was brought home. And I really hope that we do the same with Brittany Griner. Man, you – oh, my God. You, you took the words right out of my mouth, Courtney, when you said if this was Tom Brady, a LeBron James, you know, somebody of that stature. A man. It would be – A male it, athlete. It, the 24-7 news cycle, that's what it would be. Unfortunately, Brittany Griner's not getting the same type of respect and treatment for that. Yeah, she's back in court on Thursday. We'll see if that brings any sort of resolution, but it feels like this is headed for the long haul for Brittany Griner and her family. Straight ahead, will Kevin Durant's legacy be tarnished by seeking another team? We discuss ESPN Radio.